tensions run high at City Hall. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Patricia Murphy, one of the political insiders here at the AJC. Greg Bluestein is traveling with the governor in Israel. We'll be hearing from him later in today's episode. But joining me is our local government reporter, Riley Bunch. Riley, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Patricia. I'm really excited to talk Atlanta today. I know we are doing all things Atlanta. We're going to talk about the latest on the Atlanta Public Safety Training Center, the progress and the roadblocks and the protests, what Andre Dickens has on his plate at this crucial time in his term, and we'll get a report in the field from Greg Bluestein over in Israel. If this is your first time listening to Politically Georgia, welcome, and we invite you to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, give us a review and share Politically Georgia with a friend. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. And we're back on Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Governor Brian Kemp this week continues his trade mission to Israel. The governor is meeting with high-level Israeli leaders to highlight the state's pro-Israel legislation and market Georgia as a go-to destination for the country's firms. Our own Greg Bluestein is traveling with the governor. I'm recording this after midnight, early Tuesday morning after another really long day with Governor Brian Kemp in Georgia's trade delegation to Israel. We've hardly stopped working since getting here with schedules that begin early in the morning and end, like tonight, well after dark. Just after arriving on Saturday, the two dozen or so members of the mission visited a bunch of important religious sites like the old city of Jerusalem. And on Sunday, I went with Governor Kemp as he and a handful of state leaders met with a trio of very powerful Israeli officials. There was a meeting with Israeli President Isaac Herzog, with Foreign Minister Eli Khan, and then, of course, with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. I think the takeaway from my perspective, but also from theirs, I, mean, I don't want to put words in their own mouths, but I mean, I think they see that there's certainly a lot of synergies to grow trade investment, uh, which is good for both the, the you know, country of Israel, but also for the state of Georgia and the United States. Each was a separate conversation that required all sorts of exhaustive security checks and through walled compounds and very complicated protocol. But what was most surprising to me, at least, was the Netanyahu sit down. Israel is amid a crisis right now. Tens of thousands of Israelis are demonstrating against Netanyahu's judicial overhaul proposal every weekend. His government could literally collapse in a few days if it doesn't reach a budget deal. And militants just fired hundreds of rockets at Israel from Gaza that left uh, a few dozen dead uh, from both sides of that border. Yet Netanyahu still made sure to meet with Kemp for about an hour 
on Sunday to discuss his view of foreign policy and Georgia's economy. It was fascinating getting to talk to him. I had no idea that meeting lasted an hour long. It didn't seem like that to me. It was over in a flash. But I, I, I was pleased that he knew as much about the state of Georgia as he did from an economic perspective. And then it was also really neat to share with him about like the direct flight that Delta now has to Tel Aviv and how that's expanded even before it started. And I don't think he was quite aware of all of that. So I think there's a you know certainly a lot of synergy with what we're doing in our state uh, that is certainly in line with the views of, of not only him but the country of Israel. Monday we left. Jerusalem for Tel Aviv, the big city on the beach. The delegation met with a software firm called JFrog that has a major office in Sandy Springs and went to a Gulfstream plant that makes state-of-the-art luxury jets with IAI, an Israeli company. And then the Israeli embassy hosted an event that attracted more than 100 Israeli executives and local officials looking to do business with Georgia. Let me be straight with you. Israel is not a major trading partner with Georgia. Falls well behind Canada, South Korea, European countries. But this trip is meant to develop deeper ties with high-tech firms that Israel is looking to explore and that Georgia would love to embrace. And Kemp is also looking to burnish his foreign policy skills as he looks to play a bigger part in the 2024 mix. In Israel, Greg Bluestein, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Greg will be with the governor for the rest of the week, and we'll hear from him again on Friday's episode. But Riley, we are talking all things Atlanta politics today, and we're starting with the latest on the Public Safety Training Center. Yes, Patricia, there's lots going on at City Hall across the street from the Gold Dome, but it seems like there's one thing that's eating all the air is the Public Safety Training Center. So there's a lot to discuss. So, Riley, before we talk about what's happening right now with the Public Safety Training Center, it's a mouthful, we keep saying that, um, tell me a little bit and tell our listeners how this originated in the first place. I believe that Keisha Lance Bottoms was the mayor at the time. What were the circumstances and how did it, um, how did it get started in the first place? Yeah, this has been brewing for quite some time. And I'll take you back to 2021 when Mayor Bottoms unveiled this um, plan for a training center at the site of the old Atlanta prison farm in unincorporated DeKalb County. And she marketed it as something that would help decrease rising rates of violent crime, something that city leaders are still struggling with today, um, and also kind of a new place for upgraded training of police officers to draw police officers into Atlanta because we really, really struggle with vacancies and might be a spot for things like new sensitivity training and progress um, on that front. So that's when it became, and it went through Atlanta City Council at that time, and there wasn't too much conversation on it in the beginning. And that's one of the biggest complaints, right, is that community wasn't engaged from the beginning. It was really, really driven by the Atlanta Police Foundation and their idea for it, and it passed. 10 to 4. Um, there was an extensive public comment period, about 17 hours, um, but that came very, very close to the final vote. So that's a lot of the criticism from the early stages of this is that the community wasn't involved in these plans. I think also down at the site of the, uh, I think it was actually the also the Atlanta Police Academy kind of way, way back in the day. So this is city of Atlanta owned property 
in DeKalb County, and that's why that's going there. Um, I think also down there, they're planning to have kennels for the canine units. They're planning to have barns for the mounted uh, police units and also fire training safety because we've heard the mayor say over and over that in order to learn how to drive ladder trucks, recruits were driving them in like the public's parking lot after hours. And then eventually Publix was like, hey, this is a bad idea. (laughs) So you can't train here anymore. So you can see see the need for something, but it is surprising that there wasn't more conversation around it at the time, given the amount of protest that we're seeing right now. And um, on the city council at the time, didn't you say that Mayor Dickens was on the city council at the Mm -hmm. time? Yes, he was. Yes. And he voted in favor of the legislation. And I think that you're right, Patricia, you can see the need for uh, improvements to our training facilities, right? And there were colleges that people that the public safety officers were renting to use their their space as well, firefighters and police included. Um, and I think that is, you know, where the legislation came from. But it has really spiraled, kind of out of control in its messaging and and the everything that people think about it. Right. And so Mayor Dickens is sworn into office. The opposition to it continues to grow. Obviously, there was the very unfortunate shooting of the protester down there by uh, the Georgia State Trooper. Um, But there is continuing protests going on. So you wrote earlier this week and last week as well about protests that are happening at City Hall. What take us inside the room with that? Yeah, Monday was um, a sight to see at City Hall, our last full council meeting. There were nearly 300 people that signed up to speak during testimony of full council, um, and they had to put people in overflow rooms. They had to cut off the public comment period as soon as Doug Shipman, the president, got the list in his hands. You know, there were chants and lines throughout. It was a sight. I, I will admit that I walked in there and was not expecting that. And everyone that's spoke, came and spoke against the plan public safety training center. You know, it was a, a big, big push from the opposition. And I want you to listen to this clip because things got really heated inside the chambers at one point when um, President Doug Shipman kept telling the people sitting there that they couldn't cheer. They could not cheer. He was going to remove them from the chambers so that they could get along with public comment. And there was it was a very emotional moment. We know it's not being voted on today, but we know that before you get into the room for the vote, this vote's already decided. So here we are telling you when we can make a difference. Stop Cop City. Don't support this funding. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, guys. I didn't want to do this. Clear the chamber. I warned you six times. Everybody's going to have to sit out except for those who are speaking in the front row. I asked and I asked and I asked. We'll have to clear the chamber. You can wait outside. You have to wait outside. Sorry, guys. I ask and I ask. Nope. Guys, you got to wait outside. You got to wait outside. Come on. Guys. We gotta, we've got a list of folks. Folks in the front row who are waiting to speak. Everybody else is going to have to wait outside. Sorry. Wow, you can just hear the emotion, not just in the protesters' voices, but then also um, for City Council President Doug Shipman. I know that a number of those protesters you wrote made specific note that they are from the area, that they are not kind of, quote, 
outside agitators, as I will say had been um, a a kind of a bit of the storyline up to this point. Although also, I mean, the majority of people who have been arrested by police during these protests have in fact been from out of state. So um, were there any other themes that you were hearing down there during, I mean, out of 300 people, it seems like there must have been a couple themes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's, one of the most complicated polarized topics I've ever covered because there are so many different factions of opposition. Um, you know, you talk about the concern for the environment and the, the sediment that's um, that is alleged to be putting going into Entrenchment Creek in the South River Forest area because of construction. That's a huge side of it is the environmental activism. And then there's concerns from neighbors about the disruption that that would cause in their neighborhoods. You know, having a big police and fire training facility pretty much in their backyards. And then there's the other faction of other people in Atlanta um, who came and said that they were scared of kind of the militarization of police that this could possibly prompt. So that's what makes this issue so complicated and why so many people come together against it, but not might not always have the same reason why they oppose it. Well, it is those kinds of coalitions that tend to build upon themselves and create this kind of very large movement against it that we're seeing. Has all of this opposition had an effect? How is Dickens responding to this? Well, Dickens has doubled down. And, you know, we have seen that from him in the beginning. Um, We have seen that during lengthy interviews that we have had with him. He even told his task force the first day they met, the one he um, created out of people that were opposed and pro to the um, training facility. He told them this is moving forward and he stood behind it. You know, Dickens is unwavering in his support. Um, And then but it creates really big questions for city council. You know, the, the opposition is really weighing on city council right now. There's been so many discussions about whether or not they can do anything to break the lease. There's disagreements about whether they have the power. Um, And now, right now today, um, during committee, they will take up the bill for the funding for the first time. So the opposition is really focused and telling city council, like, we do not want this and you were elected to represent us, um, which is really weighing on them. Okay, so a vote on funding from city council on Wednesday. And tell us what else is coming up. What does the timeline look for the center and I guess eventual completion of the center, it sounds like? Yeah, so Wednesday, we will have the initial vote on the funding um, from city council, which is drawn out of the general funds in last year's budget. So fiscal year 2023's budget. Um, And that's a committee vote in finance executive committee. And then we will have a full vote on Monday in council again on that legislation. And we are expecting long lines both tomorrow and Monday on Wednesday and Monday. Um, And in terms of timeline, we haven't gotten a lot of information on how construction is moving along and if any of these protests and opposition has held it up at all. But um, around 2024 would be beginning of 2024 is when we're hearing that it would be up and running. Okay, well, I know there's a whole lot else going on at City Hall as well. We're going to get into more from City Hall in just a bit. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. 
In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. And we're back with Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We think the Morning Jolt political newsletter sets the stakes and the agenda in Georgia politics. And you can get it in your inbox every morning if you're a subscriber to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can join the community now by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts and get six months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts so you always know what's really going on. Well, Riley, we talked a whole lot about the Public Safety Training Center, which is this huge, this huge, huge piece of what's going on down at City Hall. But I know that Andre Dickens has a lot of other things that he is working on and probably even more things that he would rather work on. Um, so what else is he focused on right now? What's What does his agenda look like? You're exactly right, Patricia. He's in a really interesting position because he's trying to put more focus on other initiatives that he's dedicated to and will better the city, right? So he is doing a lot to combat crime, especially in terms of youth, um, youth on youth crime. He has a big focus on infrastructure. You know, we're complaining about these roads. We have the pothole posse back, but we are still running over potholes. Um, and, and of course, public safety. He is trying to help other aspects of public safety in terms of retention of our officers and things like that, that might not necessarily be linked to the controversy that we're hearing over the planned public safety training center. Um, But he's kind of in a really crucial part of his term. He's out of the honeymoon phase. Um, He's starting to carve out long-term initiatives that are going to be his namesakes if he's running for re-election and things like that. And I will point out that my colleague, Will Nobles, he noticed on his campaign website has been updated. So it's no longer the campaign issues. Now it's a look back on the progress that we've made. And that signals a lot that he's thinking about things long term. He also has a lot of um, responsibility to maintain good relationships with the business community, good relationships internationally. He's been on a couple of international trips, right, Um, to keep this international city um, name up for Atlanta. And then also he's in a Republican held state. So he is pouring a lot of time and energy into creating good relationships with our GOP leadership. Now, let's talk a little bit about how do you think he is doing? You know, you can usually see how a leader feels about how their tenure is going almost by their body language, by their demeanor in meetings. Um, I think one big thing that we saw externally, people who aren't down at City Hall all the time, was that Atlanta did not get the Democratic National Convention, which he had been a huge booster of. Also, on our side of the plate, Georgia did not get the early primary that they were hoping for. Um, How is Dickens doing right now? Obviously, you said the honeymoon is over. He's always been a pretty up, sunny personality? Is he, is that still how you're seeing him in meetings and events? How is he presenting these days? 
Yeah, he's definitely an optimistic guy. You know, it is all about the good things that are happening in the city, the progress that we have made, even on um, different levels of crime. If we're not all the way down in certain overall, it's certain different areas of it. Um, He definitely saw some big losses with the DNC for sure, because he is also trying to build up his national brand. And we see that a lot with his um, involvement with the White House. He's now a, a Democratic leader in Biden's campaign. So he has that to think about. But I I think one thing that we have seen from him that's different, maybe that we didn't see in the beginning, was a little bit of frustration. And it does stem from the training center because he is working on all these other initiatives. um, And that just really seems to put a shade on everything else that's going on. And I do think it's so fascinating that Wilbur noticed that he had updated his campaign website, though, because these guys are always running. You know, you're always running for the next election. And it's a reminder that this is an elected official. He has gotten through his first full year of that wonderful honeymoon phase that you can never go back to and think. Things start to get really hard really quickly. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the city council, because there are a lot of things that Andre Dickens cannot do without the support of the city council. Um, For our listeners who either are new to the area, new to the podcast, or simply don't pay a lot of attention to the city council, how does it work I know they're passing legislation. Uh, What are the big names and who should we be paying attention to down there? Well, if anyone listening does not understand city council, I believe you will be able to because I just started city council not too long ago. So I've been learning right along with you guys. (laughs) Um, It is a little bit like the legislature, except for it's really, really quick. And most of the time, everyone agrees on things. Most of the time. I add that with a little caveat. So they're introducing legislation at the end of full council meetings, and it goes very, very quickly. The next week is a committee meeting week. They'll move. The legislation will be debated and move through committee, and then it's right back to the next full council. So it is, it's quick. It is definitely very, very, very quick. And so kind of the layout of the council is there are 12 district representatives. So from your area where you live, there's someone that represents you. And then there's also three at large posts. So those are three people that represent the entire city. And those are pretty powerful positions. And then, of course, we have our council president, Doug Shipman, who plays a big role in keeping the tone of the meetings that are happening, you know, keeping the agenda going. And also I found that he's very accessible for the media. Yeah, he is kind of a voice of counsel um, in his position. But oh my gosh, everyone is so important in their own ways. And um, they just all play a very, very different role on counsel. And even though, you know, they all kind of agree in a broader policy umbrella, there are things that they disagree about, right? But some of, some of the big names, obviously, Doug Shipman, president, who is newly elected official, he's brand new. So it's been interesting to watch him and how he kind of maneuvers around city council. And then our big committees, our really, really powerful committees, public safety. Um, Dustin Hillis is new and also he is um, a public safety head. And then we have Alex Wan, who's the finance head. So basically everything that needs money has to go through finance. But it's interesting because we've seen a lot of the newer, the newly elected, we have eight newly elected people on council, really progressive. We have really progressive new members of council. We have Liliana Bakhtiari. Um, she's in East Atlanta Village area. Uh, 
Antonio Lewis, who's in District 12 in Southeast Atlanta. And even you will be familiar with this name, Keisha Waits, who was at the State House, Patricia, that you know so well. You know, she has emerged as a really big player on council as she's on it now, too. So everyone plays their part, um, but you definitely hear some voices more than others. That's fascinating. And of course, Mary Norwood, who had been a longtime member of the city council, ran for mayor twice, I believe, and then is now back on the city council as well, um, representing the Buckhead area. Um, So that's amazing. Out of the 13 members, um, eight are new. That is a really a very (laughs) rather, um, rather high head count. Um, What do you see ahead for the city council and the mayor? And how is how is his working relationship right now with the city council? Well, right now it is budget, budget, budget. We are in the thick of budget season, and it has been lengthy and complicated. Um, We have had department heads running in and out of Trinity Ave, the city hall, um, saying what they need, how they can they better their departments, but they're going to need a lot of money to do it. So that is coming in the next few weeks. It's still discussions. And then, of course, it'll be very interesting to see what the city council makes changes to the mayor's proposed budget for fiscal year 24. So then that's where you'll kind of see the differences, right? But so far, you know, the the council has stuck behind the mayor on the public safety training center. Um, They have stuck behind him when he wants to fund different things. So they have a pretty strong working relationship at the moment. Okay, got it. Um, So if we're talking about budget questions and trying to um, come to the council looking for money, does that mean there are any tax increases that could possibly be on the table? Is there anything like that that's being discussed? Not right now. That will be probably further down the line if they're discussing those sorts of details. Um, It has to go through the actual budget. We'll have to go through finance committee right now. It's kind of like, where do we dole out our dollars to increase city services? Okay, got it. Um, Well, Riley, thank you so much for bringing all of us up to speed on city council. You told me some things I did not know before that I probably should have, but now I'm just going to act like I knew it all along. And uh, we'll have you back to bring us up to speed on the latest um, when you've got more news, uh, which I'm sure will be very, very soon. Thanks, Patricia. I really appreciate it. Well, coming up on Friday's episode, we'll answer your questions from the listener mailbag, which you can now call into. It's the Politically Georgia podcast hotline. You can call anytime, leave a question, and we will play it back and answer your questions right here on the podcast. The number is 404-526-AJCP. That's for Atlanta Journal-Constitution podcast, if you didn't guess. That's 404-526-2527. Let us hear from you. Thanks so much for joining the Politically Georgia podcast. You can find links to all of the stories we talked about in today's episode in the summary of this podcast. You can count on new episodes to come out every Wednesday, every Friday, and whenever big news breaks. We'll see you next time on the Politically Georgia podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean Breeze tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-Hop's Most Pulled Elements. 
are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.